Check it out. Welcome to Top of the Class. Hear from education experts and get insights from high achievers to learn how you can do the same. Get into those top schools. Ready? Proudly presented by Crimson Education, the world's leader in university admission support. Welcome, everybody. This is Top of the Class, and today I'm here with Michael, who recently just got admitted into Oxford's um, very famous PPE program, Philosophy, Politics, and Economics from South Africa. I'm excited to be on the show with you today, Michael. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's just jump right right into it. So um, when did you first get the idea to think about applying for the UK? And um, Was this always a goal for you, or did it happen quite late in your education journey? Uh, it really has always been a goal for me, um, particularly to go study at Oxford, not just the UK. And, you know, knowing that I wanted to study a PPE, I was pretty sure about that for the last sort of four years of school. So it's definitely been a long-term journey for me. Back when I was in high school, I was quite unsure about whether I wanted to apply for, you know, Cambridge or Oxford. And I was tossing up economics and management, PP and economics. And I ended up applying for economics at Cambridge. So how did you kind of build that certainty around going for Oxford? And then how did you build that certainty around going for the PPE program particularly? So um, in terms of in terms of applying to Oxford, it was, uh, I really actually can't answer that question. I mean, it, it was just always a goal for me. I think a lot of it stemmed around from the, the history of the Rhodes Scholarship in South Africa. So obviously, I mean, it has, it has quite a dubious connotation and rightfully so nowadays. But when I was really young, I mean, we were always told about the Rhodes Scholarship and how amazing it would be to get it. So it sort of started as an interest in trying to get the Rhodes Scholarship and then developed as an interest to go to Oxford. And then in terms of, you know, really deciding that I wanted to do a PPE, it was just really what I'm interested in. So um, I love politics, I love philosophy, and I love economics. So it was really also, again, a simple choice. Digging into PPE a little bit. So um, I see a lot of students get exposure to economics in high school, but it's hard to typically get exposure to politics and perhaps even more difficult to get exposure to philosophy. So how did you kind of find your interest in those, in those other areas? What, which of those three kind of came first and what have been your activities or moments that gave you excitement around those other, other kind of strands of the degree? So for me at high school, I didn't really get exposure to any of them through any of my coursework. They weren't offered as subjects or anything. And my interest probably came first with politics, particularly because of sort of idolizing people like Barack Obama and sort of getting interested in politics like that. And then, you know, the rest sort of just just followed from there. Uh, I was quite I was quite involved with world schools and Maldi United Nations debating at school. So my interest in all three subjects were sort of met in the process of engaging with debates and that sort of stuff. Interesting. Okay, it makes a lot of sense. It's quite funny. A lot of students that do get into PPE don't really have a background in any of those areas, um, which is kind of quite common, but it's um, such a versatile degree that you can really pick it up, I guess, once you get over there. Thinking about career aspirations, what kind of career pathways um, are you thinking about? I see lots of PPE grads looking at, you know, Wall Street, City of London, you know, going to finance. Others are thinking about government. You know, where are your pathways at the moment looking like? To be honest with you, I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'd definitely be interested in sort of the whole host of careers that a PPE opens up. I'm not closing anything off just yet. Um, I, I think I definitely like to study a bit further. I don't think I'd be happy after three years. So maybe a, a postgrad somewhere and then see where that gets me. Beautiful. Okay. And um, in terms of the application process, so getting into Oxford is difficult. The interview process is known to be rigorous, challenging. 
you've got often other tests you've got to do. I guess walk us through the different pieces that went into getting into Oxford. Um, what were the various components you went through? So I, I started working with Crimson in grade 10 and they, they sort of gave me advice on what extracurricular activities I should be targeting. And, you know, it was, it was quite nice. At the time, there was, there was a lot of stuff that I was already doing and there wasn't too much that I had to add on to my extracurricular activities. So from when I started working with Crimson, I pretty much just carried on doing what I was doing. And then I started working on my personal statement quite early on and would just worked through that from June. But I, I think definitely the trickiest part about the application process for me was the fact that I wrote my A-level exams in October uh, and the beginning of November. So I I had a, I think it was like a 12-day stretch where I wrote 11 A-level exams. And on the final day, I wrote my TSA, my thinking skills assessment, which is the admissions exam. So that was definitely the trickiest part about the application process for me. I chuckle a little bit. Um... Not only because that sounds like a crazy uh, kind of Hunger Games of exams, but um, uh, also because I guess back in the day in high school, I had a pretty similar painful experience. And I remember yeah. I actually had to fly to the UK to go to the TSA. So I was sort of jet lagged as well. So so at least, uh, did you have to, you did your TSA locally, right? And then you yeah, probably I did, did your interview on, yeah. interview on Zoom, right? Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. How was the TSA? So I guess for those of you who are not familiar with it, the TSA, the Thinking Skills Assessment, is used for programs like PPE, used things like economics. It was used for my, for example, my Cambridge program that I applied for back in the day. How did you prep for that? You know, how did you find the test? Um, what was it like? So I, I really enjoyed the TSA because I found like all the questions quite interesting and the the thought structure around it. So I, you know, when I first started really researching the PPE at the beginning of grade ten, I did a few practice TSAs and sort of got my head into that way of thinking very early on. And then, yeah, I think the TSA for me was actually the biggest shock to come out of the application process because I did a, a, a lot better in the actual test than I was doing in all of my practice. So I was getting scores of sort of mid-70s in my practice, and then I got a low 90 in the final test. So it was, you know, it was the biggest shock. I got the results on the same day that I got my A-level results. And I was, you know, as everyone is, I think I was really nervous about whether or not I'd even get the course requirements for my A-level subjects. And then I was so happy when I did. And then I got the TSA late that afternoon and I was just, I was in shock for the rest of the day. Nice. So you would have got a conditional offer to start with from Oxford, right? Yeah, but um, it was actually sort of, the timing was weird. So my A-level results were published on the 11th of January and the Oxford offer was sent out on the 12th of January. So it was conditional, but yeah, I'd already met the requirements. Wow, that's very cool. Okay, so how was your Oxford reaction? Like, what was the day like? When did you check it? How did the family respond? How did you handle that kind of euphoric news? Um, it was it was really weird circumstances. So I I was actually by myself at the time. My my dad, who works from home, was busy in a meeting, and my mum was out doing uh, some deliveries. She was taking over my summer job, so I could monitor my emails for the day. So I was I was actually at home alone, and uh, you know I just opened the news and I. I did an Oxbridge summer program in grade 10. And at the time I bought an Oxford shirt from the official university store. And I, I went and when I read my offer, I went and put on that same shirt that I still had. And I just went and stood outside my dad's window and waved at him. So that was, <laughs> that was sort of the reaction. That's hilarious. And how did he react? He was probably more shocked than I was. I think, I, I think he, he always, yeah, in a nice way. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
And yeah, he literally just finished his meeting. So he came downstairs and he was just like, no way, so you got in. I'm like, yeah, I did. And then, I, I mean, the rest of the day, the day was so amazing because of the, the response I got from basically anyone I'd ever known saying <laughs> congratulations when they saw the news. It was, you know, it was, it was amazing to see. Yeah, it's a, it's a real community um, response typically for things like this. It's, it's really, really pretty epic and inspiring. And tell me a bit about your A-levels. So um, what A-levels did you take? What IGs or GCSEs did you take? And you know, how, how did you choose kind of what A-levels that you wanted to focus on in the end? So our, our school setup is a bit different to what most people are used to. We, um, we have two curriculum. We can do A-levels or the IEB, which is the South African National Senior Certificate. And we only started the A-levels. The first year our school started offering the A-levels was the year we started. So we were sort of the first group, you know, charging forth into the unknown, not really knowing what to expect. So we didn't do any IGCSEs beforehand. So we sort of made the jump from grade 10 South African learning to A-levels in one go. And we also, we also did extra AS levels to meet South African university requirements. So, you know, my AS levels were weird. I did, I did maths, physics, history, chemistry, and English language, and then also IGCSE French. And mm. then from there, it was uh, the, the decision of where to go in terms of what to focus on was quite simple. Um, I took history because I loved it. And then I took maths and physics because I knew I could get at least A's for them. And then I also took further maths just as something extra. If further maths is spicy, I took that as well, and it, it took up a ton of time. It was yeah. it was a beast of, of an A level. How, how did you find it? Did you do mechanics, um, pure and statistics? Yeah, so they they actually changed. What was also quite tricky is that it was the first year they changed the further math syllabus. So the exam, the past exams didn't really fit the exams mm-hmm. that we'd be studying. So you didn't have a lot of practice material that was perfect. But I also actually didn't have a teacher. So the the only teacher time I really had was um, a tutor with Crimson and that was oh. under 30 hours or something. So it was, you know, it was really daunting. And also something I'm not too proud of is I, I didn't have great time management during lockdown. So I ended up spending practically the month of September learning pure two and statistics from scratch. Wow. I love the hustle. That's great. So you, so you spent 30 to 40 hours on it. Okay. Beyond your tutoring time, how much kind of independent time would you say you had to put in to get the A level done? Oh, a, a lot. Um, yeah, it was at least, you know, like I said, it's it's hard to estimate because I, I did it in a very concentrated period of time. But I think there was probably a month. And also, one thing I, I don't think I'll ever forget is I I got eighty nine as my percentage uniform mark for my A level, and the the grade threshold for an A star was one hundred and eighty seven out of two hundred and fifty. And I got 186 out of 250. Did you consider going for the cheeky remark? I did, but when I told my parents they'd have to pay over 200 pounds if they didn't get a, if I didn't have a changed mark, they weren't too interested in it. Uh, that's funny. That's yeah. funny. Um, I've seen over the years uh, a lot of students do remarks. Usually, it doesn't move, but every so often, you know, like a, a boundary grade moves over. But typically, it's for humanities subjects. So I think yeah. you probably rest easy with, with your further math. That's pretty heroic. And 89% is pretty good further maths. Yeah, I was very, very happy. It was, it was definitely what I was most shocked about with my results. I was not expecting to do that well.
also because the mechanics exam that year was just ridiculous. I mean, the the grade threshold for an A was fifty percent. So I was like, I was feeling so down in the gutter after writing it. Yeah, well, I remember from undergrad, I had this class called Econ Ten Eleven A, and it's known as Harvard's most difficult undergraduate economics class. And the average score in the midterm was thirty seven percent. So. I think I got like a 45% and it, you know, that just feels horrible. Um, yeah. leave, you know, like you, you, you couldn't even get 50% in this test, yeah. you, you know, in high school, you're used to getting eighties, nineties, hundreds, whatever. So yeah, it's, it's, it's funny when you have kind of like a humbling paper like that, but at least scaling sort of takes care of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But in the exam though, you worry if you're just having a disaster and everyone else is just yeah. killing, you know? And it was, and it was, it was also a horrible day because I wrote maths pure two in the morning the day before I'd written history paper three, which is the main paper. And the day before that I'd written the main physics paper and it was also my birthday. So it was like at the end of a birthday. horrible run. Yeah, that's a tough birthday, man. Wow. Yeah. I guess you probably, you don't, you don't want to go and have a dinner. You just want to keep studying. Yeah, exactly. Way. I don't remember my birthday. I guess you can celebrate once you're in. And so now you've got a bit of a, a bit of a gap um, between now and September um, or so. Yeah. You know, when do you, what do you plan on doing with this, with this time you have off? Um, any exciting plans? So, uh, you know, I've already lost quite a bit of it. I mean, I've been out of school for six months. I'm doing a bit of SAT tutoring with Crimson at the moment, which is, you know, quite fun and entertaining. And it's just keeping me, you know, sort of in check and not letting my academics run away from me. And then I'm also, I'm just, you know, trying to get involved and see as many friends as I can that aren't staying, uh, that aren't going overseas so that I, you know, can try and stay in contact with them. That's a really cool question, actually. What are some of the trends in terms of South African high schoolers' aspirations on the world stage? So it varies by school a little bit, but what are you seeing as far as patterns? You know, who tends to go overseas? What are their aspirations? Is the UK most popular? What's the US like? Just give me a sense of what it's like through your lens. So, you know, our school is quite a heavy percentage of it is a boarding school. Uh, so a lot of the boarders um, come from within South Africa, but there's also a healthy contingent from East Africa and Southern Africa, so Zambians, Kenyans, Tanzanians. And a lot of the foreigners tend to go to English universities. There's a very small contingent from uh, from our school that is going to the States and sort of a, a much stronger community within the UK. So I'll have friends in, in Durham, Exeter, um, London. Um, yeah, so there's more. I can't can't think of any now, but that that's sort of the trend. And then a lot of the... South African um, students end up going to the main universities um, in SA. Like UCT and stuff? Yeah, UCT, Stellenbosch, Tux, the University of Pretoria, that is. So that, that's where they're mostly dispersed to. And, and, then, and again, it depends where they get in because some degrees, some university is obviously more challenging than others. Makes a lot of sense. And then as far as like uh, aspirations for where people want to be based, there's lots of this, you know, young talent uh, stay, stay overseas, I guess, for most of their adult life. Or um, do these guys typically come back and want to do things like government when they're a bit older? Or what is the usual kind of pattern? There isn't really a, a usual kind of pattern. A lot of a lot of people that are educated in South Africa will stay in South Africa. Um, again, it, it varies so much from year to year and person to person. Um, and but I, I do think quite a large portion of the people that go overseas tend to stay overseas, not necessarily where they study, but they don't often come back. Got it. Awesome. Okay. And then um, I guess last question for me: 
if you went back to high school, you had to do it all over again. Um, would you have changed anything? I guess the outcome was pretty amazing, but um, yeah, any, yeah, anything you would have changed for a, for a clone kind of rewinding the clock five years? Um, look, I, you know, I, I think I had one main objective uh, in high school and that was to get into Oxford. So, you know, there's, there's no nothing problem. I really would have changed. If I, if I had to have changed one thing, I probably wouldn't have done the AS levels I, I did. I would have just done probably maybe five A levels and started focusing on those exams at the beginning of grade 11 rather than focusing on getting AS levels and then A levels. Got it. Wise, yeah. wise. Okay, awesome. Well, yeah. a huge congrats on your success. I think you're going to have a real blast over there. Mm. PPE is really Oxford's most famous degree. Um, and I think, yeah, you'll have a real blast. So congrats on what's been a, a wild high, high school adventure. Thank you very, very much. And hopefully we can meet up. Um, I'm currently finishing my DPhil at St. John's College in Oxford, although it's all been remote for the last like year. Yeah. But um, I might see you on campus sometime soon. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> nice to meet you. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to Top of the Class. Subscribe for future episodes. For show notes and to plan your best future, head to crimsoneducation.org.